Welcome to the C12 Podcast today. My name is Matt, and today we have Alex Carney speaking to us on the importance of knowing our story so that we can share it with others. We hope you are encouraged and guided by today's message. How you guys doing tonight? Love it. Hey, uh, we're in a series uh, called uh, How To, where we're exploring some of the basic uh, spiritual tools that you'll need to invest in your relationship with God. That is the whole big element of how to. And uh, over the last uh, couple of weeks, we've gone over how to read the Bible, how to pray, uh, uh, how to spend time with Jesus. And so tonight is about how to share your story. And so in order to share your story, you got to know your story. And for those that are, before I jump in, before the, uh, for those that are new here tonight, I uh, just want to say, hey, a big welcome home. We're so glad that you are here. And uh, yeah, we can get up for that. Welcome to anyone that is uh, here for the first time tonight. Uh, if, if it is your first time or you may be, you know, still trying out this whole Jesus thing, you're still figuring out our culture, uh, I wanted to give a little piece uh, of who we are as a C12 culture. Okay, so we, we love to find the fun. Josh went over this a couple uh, weeks ago. He's been going over us at his intros a little bit, but we love to find the fun in what we do. So it's not just outside. It's just not out by the John Wesley statue. It's not out, uh, outside where you get to, you know, have food and drinks, but it's also in this room in worship and in teaching. So this can be a dialogue. This can be fun. So if I say something that resonates with you, you can say amen, you can clap, you can throw your Bible up in the air, you can run around the room, I don't care. You can, uh, if something sucks, you can throw your shoe at me, you can throw your big NIV study Bible that weighs like 35.6 pounds, uh, and you can launch that at the stage. <laughs> Probably don't do that, because I can't really see it. Um, that would be a nightmare, actually. <laughs> I like, would catch it last minute. Uh, but I, we love interaction, so it's okay to do that. You have freedom, you have the ability to do that. Sound good? Sound good? There we go. Love it. All right, let's jump in. So I'm going to go over how to share your story. Okay, I'm going to go over the power of your story and five big reasons. And then I'm going to kind of breeze through how to share it practically. So I'm going to uh, tee that up by the importance of it. I'm going to breeze through the how-to portion. And then I'm just going to jump into uh, where I'm going to be uh, taking you guys at the end. So uh, the power of your story. Okay, I have a question for you. What is your favorite movie? Anybody? Favorite movie? All time. What's your favorite movie? Mine? Yeah. I put you on the spot, like, oh, no, I, I shouldn't have. Uh, Frozen 2. Frozen 2, okay. Why? Why is Frozen 2? <laughs> because 2 is always better than 1. I don't know. It's a good sister story. Okay, I like it. I like it. Justin, what's your favorite movie? Home Alone 2. Home Alone 2. Okay. How about uh, right here? What's your favorite movie? Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. Okay, okay. Somebody else, what, what is your favorite movie? Raise your hand. What, what's your favorite? Brooke, what's your favorite movie? Remember the Titans. Okay. Why is Remember the Titans your favorite movie? <laughs> uh, I didn't expect a follow-up question. I... Somebody else, what, raise your hand. What, what, what's your favorite movie? Go all the way in the back. <laughs> Tonight we're entering our dating relationship series, week one. <laughs> We're watching a movie, so stay tuned. I know there's something in a story, something that resonates with you. So that you, you love a movie because it's a story. And it connects with you on a heart level. See, mine are Avengers Endgame. Yeah. Not that. 13 Hours. Miracle. Now You See Me. Dear John. That, uh, wrong list. The, the Hobbit. Star Wars. Lord of the Rings. Totally. <laughs> See, we love we love. Uh, different movies because it has something in the story, in the plot, in the narrative that connects with you. 
It connects with you at a heart level. It, 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 it evokes your emotions. It, it prompts you. It, it draws you in. See, the human brain is hardwired to connect with stories. Stories grab our attention and inspires us to action. I believe that's why Jesus taught with stories. He taught in, in parables. He, and what really a parable is, is that it's just a story. It's a story. He's using a modern day example to explain a spiritual thought. And this is why I believe it's so important and powerful to share our own faith story. We all have a faith story. We all have uh, our own personal story of what God has done in our life. But there's obviously reasons why we don't share our faith story. So I want feedback. I want, I want this to continue, to continue to be a dialogue. I want to write out some things, that, uh, reasons why you might think that, hey, I'm not capable or I'm not able to share my story. What are reasons that you guys have had that you're not able to share your story? Yep. Too messy. Too messy. Ooh, that's a good one. Two, this is a fat marker. Does anybody else see this? Okay, you're going to see this in bold all night. All right. It's too messy. Too messy. Let, let's keep going. Yeah, right here. My attorney advised me not to. Your attorney you not to, not to share your story. So someone advises you not to. If you can't read it, neither can I, but you, get, you heard it. <laughs> let's keep going. What are, what are some reasons why you might not want to share your story? Yep. Say it again. People will judge you. Ooh, that's a good one. You might not want to share your story because you think that people will judge you. Yeah, right here. Say it again. Want to pardon others or be, like, be a burden to them. Yeah, want to be a burden to others. Wow. Let's do two more. Yeah, right here. Conflicts with world views. Oof. Your story might conflict maybe with somebody else's. It might conflict with their worldview. That's a good one. What's another one? Let's do one more. Right here. They won't be able to see you the same way afterwards. Oof. They won't be able to see you afterwards. I'm just going to put see you the same. <laughs> They won't be able to see you the same afterwards. See, there's, there's reasons why we might not want to share our story. It's too messy. advises you not to. People are going to judge you. You're a burden to others. Conflicting worldviews. Some, some people might see you differently. Now that they know what's been in your past, you're going to feel ashamed of what you've done. If somebody knows my story, I might be embarrassed. And these are all things that the enemy loves to convince us of to why we can't share our story. Look what it says in Revelation 12, 11. Because there's power in our story. It says they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the what? Say it again, by the what? By the word of their testimony. Who are we conquering? We're conquering Satan. By who? By, by the blood of the lamb. By what Jesus has done and by the word of their testimony. So by your story. You are able to defeat Satan. And there's all these reasons why you think that you shouldn't, why you can't, and why Satan would love to fill you with lies as to the fact that your story is inadequate. It's not powerful enough. It's not like somebody else's. Have we, have we ever played the comparison game in stories? Well, my story isn't powerful like theirs is. So therefore, theirs is more effective for the gospel and mine's not. Satan doesn't want us to share our testimony because it's our way of defeating him. 
He would hate for you to share your story because it's a testimony of what God is doing right here and right now. And there is power when you get to share your story. And I want to breeze through these reasons as to why sharing your story is so powerful. One, it makes God here and now. See, we all have a tendency to view God as someone who only did things way back then. It, we, we always look and read the Bible. We're like, well, yeah, yeah, you know, God, you did that, you know, through Moses. You did that through Peter. You did that through Paul. You did that through John. You did that through some other character. You fill in the blank. And God, but you can't do that now. You did that in their life, but I, I don't know about now. See, we think that, that God could only do things in the past, but our story isn't a distant or far, or far off fantasy. It's present. It's a nearby reality. We share what God has done in our lives, and it's the prayers that are answered. And it always shows how God has been faithful, how God has been kind. It makes God here and now. And we've learned over the last year, hey, very little sinks the ship. Very little sinks the ship. There's nothing that could have happened that would have stopped the church, not COVID, not social injustice, not anxiety, not depression. There are things that you went through, things in your story that could limit or prohibit the power of the gospel. That God is on the move and he is moving right here and right now. Two, it gives hope. If you're taking notes, you can, you can drop these down. It gives hope. This is sharing the struggles of, of how God has rescued us. So this gives hope to somebody else's story. What's powerful sometimes is that when you get to pray through your own story, that might be somebody else's journey. They're just not at the resolution that you're at yet. You might have overcome an addiction and by the power of your story gives them hope in their trials. That where they're at currently is where you used to be. But that's what the power of a story of a baptism is. When somebody comes to know Jesus, here's what their life was like before Jesus. Here's the, the moment that they came into an encounter with Jesus. And now here's what their life has been like since following Jesus. There is power in sharing their story and it gives other people hope. Three, anyone can do it. Sharing your story doesn't have uh, prerequisites. Anyone can do it. Regardless of where you're at, regardless of, of how old you are, regardless of if you just came to know Jesus or not, you've been following Jesus for 10 years, 20 years, it doesn't matter how old you are, what your spiritual maturity is, it doesn't matter where you went to school, nothing is a prerequisite for you sharing your story except for the fact that you get to have a transparent heart. Anyone can do it. Four, it keeps us humble. <laughs> sure does. <laughs> it keeps us humble. That we sometimes in the midst of remembering what God has done, sometimes we can take pride in that. And we compare our story with somebody else's. And we think, well, ugh, good thing I'm not like that guy. Good thing I'm not like that girl. Where they're at is whew, rough. It keeps us humble. Our story actually demands that we climb down from the pedestal of pride. <laughs> and not thinking that somebody else is lesser than we are. And Dallas Willard says this perfectly. He said, in terms of the kingdom, there's no such thing as first world because it's all third world. Everybody needs the rescuing power of Jesus. Everybody needs life transformation. Five, it generates transparency. When we're transparent and honest about our story and the struggles that God has brought us through, it gives other people permission to do the same. When we share our story, it generates a sense of, honestly, a transparent heart that when other people get to come into C12 or other people get to come into uh, your life that maybe who doesn't know Jesus, that they get to see the struggles that you went through. 
It gives them permission to say, hey, I don't need to act religious or appear religious because that's not even what Jesus called us to do, to do anyways. <laughs> he called us to him. He didn't, act, he didn't want us to perform or to give him a, perform, a, a, a performance heart. He wants who we are and our honest, authentic, and real self. And when we have permission through transparency to be human, it invites other people to do the same. So those are the five reasons. It makes God here and now. It gives hope. Anyone can do it. It keeps us humble, and it generates transparency. And now practically, okay, what does this look like? How do I actually share my faith story? Maybe you got a coworker that you work with that doesn't know Jesus, and maybe you're wanting to learn, okay, how do I share my story? Maybe, uh, I know, Justin, you got baptized a, a couple years ago, and you had an element where you got to sit down and share your story. You got to share it and write it out in a couple paragraphs, and I wanted to uh, elaborate a little bit of how do you practically share your story? Now, everybody has a story, and there's power to your story. And everybody kind of goes uh, through, through, through this lane when they go to share their story, that at the beginning, okay, is a setting. There's a setting. And then the setting is the context of your life. So this is usually what your life is, is like before Jesus. And then on the downswing, there's a problem. <laughs> well, there's a problem in your life. <laughs> the problem is, is that you're without hope. <laughs> you're without who Jesus is is. And so there's a void. There is a void in your journey. And I'm going to breeze through these. The top here is solution and then resolution. So setting, problem, a solution, and then a resolution. Every good story usually kind of follows this V pattern. The setting, it just gives context to your life and story. This is your life before Jesus. Usually when you write this out or when you talk about it, hey, this is in a couple sentences. <laughs> But this is, you're just kind of giving the brief synopsis of your story of what it was like before Jesus. Because you try to keep it short to leave as much room for the problem and the solution portion of your story. And why? Well, because that's the bigger story of the gospel. <laughs> that God drew near to you at just the right time. What it says in scripture, while you were still powerless, God draw near at the right time to save you and to redeem you. And so there's a void and there's a gap in your, and that's where the problem uh, puts you away from the solution. So the setting, it just vaguely describes uh, your life. The problem, well, this is a downswing of your story. This communicates that you have a struggle that ultimately leads to you having a need for Jesus. And when you write this out or when you share it with other people, this is, this is you addressing the heart struggles when it comes to the problem. You see, I, there was a guy at, uh, at the Central Campus who I sat down with a couple weeks ago. And as you know, if you've uh, been coming to 12 Stone, you know that we've been in a, a season of can't stop community. We've been going over uh, uh, the, the element of what has been post-COVID and, and starting to integrate people back into the life of the church and integrating the community and how important that is uh, for the church. And a way to launch that off, we actually had open baptisms. And there was a guy named Adam who had gotten baptized and he shared uh, his story with me in the living room. And he said uh, even a couple weeks before, he had just gotten let out of prison. He was addicted to drugs. He uh, uh, had been arrested for, for multiple charges. And when he came across in prison, he came across a copy of the Bible. And he just began to read it. And it began to, to, to unfold a little bit of, of, this is my story. This is where I'm at. And what he encountered was that, hey, God can save even sinners like me. That God can save anybody. Nobody's too far gone. And what I love that he put in his story, and he specifically said this, he said, I, after I came to know Jesus, I didn't feel hopeless anymore. 
I didn't feel hopeless anymore. You see, the struggle wasn't his drugs. The drugs and the addiction was, a, a, was an attempt to fill the void between the problem and the solution. So when you hear somebody else's story and you think that theirs is more powerful and theirs is because you're comparing what the situational struggle is rather than the heart struggle. We can all have different situational struggles. Yours might be, a, a, might be addiction. It might be anxiety. It might be suicidal uh, thoughts. It might be pornography. It might be alcohol. It might be whatever it is. They're all situational struggles that actually go to a deeper heart struggle. So people, we all can have different situational struggles, but the same heart struggle. This is usually in the, in the narrative where you kind of write out and you identify the problem. So for Adam, it was him feeling hopeless. So this is the problem where he feels hopeless. And maybe in your journey, uh, you have felt uh, anxiety. Or maybe it's anger. Or maybe it's depression. Or maybe uh, it's sadness. Or maybe you feel lonely. See, the problem is really, it is a situational, but it's also a heart struggle. And when you attach emotions and you attach words to it, it helps somebody else who's trying to understand your story, who's trying to understand what Jesus has done in your life by connecting on a heart level. That's why we use words like hopeless, anxiety, confused, hurt, sad, disgusted. Maybe you use, I'm at the end of myself. This is a setup for the solution. And the solution is always Jesus. To the problem creates the void. Well, the solution is Jesus. This is the moment where you come to know who Jesus is. This is the moment that you gave your life to Christ. This is the moment that you had confessed that, you know what, Jesus, I, I'm, I'm a sinner. I'm in need of a savior. I'm without hope. I, I need your redeeming power. God, I want to submit and follow you all the days of my life. God, this is what I'm surrendering to. There's a moment, that's a salvation moment where you admit that, you know what, I've been living in sin and the path that I'm on, I'm not capable I'm leading to a path of destruction. And you, Jesus, what it says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he, what? Gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That is the heart of the gospel, that God so loves you right where you're at, that he sent his one and only son to die for you. That's the solution of your story. And sometimes growing up in church, there's just different words that we throw around. And we, we don't know what salvation means or sanctification, baptism, and, and all these different words that we might get confused by. And just because somebody was born and raised in the church doesn't make them born again. Sometimes we get confused with the proximity with the church, and we think that means intimacy with Jesus. Sometimes we don't have an encounter with Jesus. We're just always around the presence of Jesus. We're just around C12. We're just around church services. We're around other people who follow Jesus. But it's the moment that you surrender your life. It's the result of realizing that there is an, that there is an answer to your problem. That Jesus is the solution. This isn't self-help. It's not you finding a way out. It's you connecting to who Jesus is. And this is the resolution. Leads you to the end. I'm breezing through these, but I want to get to the end of, of the resolution. It gives context to how the uh, solution, how Jesus was the problem that changed their life. 
This might also include a little bit as you kind of think through the resolution or if you were to write out your story, you, you were to explain your story to somebody else that this is something that you get to talk about. Hey, this is what God has done in my life since then. This, these are the things that God has been faithful in that, hey, when you come to know Jesus, it's not all sunshine and rainbows. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Sometimes there are just hardships and there's things uh, that you go through both big or small. But what we get to cling to is that, hey, no matter what season, no matter what mountaintop, no matter what valley, Jesus is my Lord. And God can carry me through any season because he's faithful and because he's good. Every person has a story. You have a story. Maybe your story right now is, you know, you don't even know who Jesus is. But you're here at C12. You're coming every week. You're trying to figure out this whole Jesus thing. You're trying to figure out if C12 is legit or not. You're trying to figure out if the Christian community is something that is worth being a part of. Maybe you haven't been to church in a long time. And right where you're at in your story and your journeys, you feel like God has, he feels so distant and so far off from where you're at. Regardless of where you're at, everybody has a story. Every community has a story. And sometimes it's helpful to look back at where you've been to get a better grasp at where you're going. I'll say that again. Sometimes it's helpful to look back at where you've been to get a better grasp at where you're going. I wanted to recap a little bit of the Joshua 5 generation. If you know this uh, story in Joshua 5, you know that uh, Joshua was, uh, was appointed as a leader that uh, came after the Moses generation. And you know that Moses and how he was trying to lead the Israelites into the promised land, but they never were able to do that. And so in Joshua, in this verse right here, it'll say that the Israelites had moved about in the wilderness for 40 years. You guys felt like you are wandering for 40 years? <laughs> You feel like you're wandering for a long time? Until all the men who were of military age when they left Egypt had died, since, since uh, they had not obeyed the Lord. For the Lord had sworn to them that they would not see the land had solemnly promised their ancestors to give us. A land flowing with milk and honey. You ever want to go to a land flowing with milk and honey? Is this like the thing where, you know, oh, electricity went out, I got to go get my milk and bread from Publix? Like, is this one of those things? Is, is milk and honey that important? Maybe it is. Maybe it's the, one of the best things that you would have wanted at the time. So he raised up their sons in their place. And these were the ones that Joshua circumcised. So the Moses generation were never able to get into the promised land because their lack of faithfulness, because their lack of obedience. And Joshua now gets appointed as a leader. And when the Moses generation, all they, they knew was something that they never got, the Joshua generation kept taking territory after territory after territory because of the faithfulness of God. They were able to go into the promised land. They were uh, able to overcome uh, the city of Jericho. And they kept taking territory after territory of what God had put in front of them. You see, the Joshua 5 generation was perhaps one of the most redemptive generations post that generation, of the Moses generation. And sometimes it's helpful when you're able to look back at where you've been, that you're able to see the bigger picture at where you're going. It's what we're doing as a church right now. It's what we're, we get to do this, uh, this, this Sunday, that we get to take a look back a little bit at where God has been and where God is continuing to lead us to. So I wanted you to see a little video from our senior pastor, Jason Berry, who's going to talk about this Sunday and what that looks like. Check it out. 
What's up, 12 Stone? Happy summer. Welcome to the Berry House. I promise it doesn't always look like this. My wife's going to kill me for letting you see it like this. But we are in the process of moving, and moving is the worst. There it is. I want to show you guys this here in a second. I don't know what y'all are doing for your summertime, but this is our summer. What's up, fam? How y'all doing? Hi. Good to see y'all. Oh, goodness. This is our life right now. You guys excited to move? Sort of. You'll get excited. All right, love you guys. So some of y'all, well, there goes our glasses. That's cool. Uh, so some of y'all, you're doing Disney, and that's great. Some of y'all are going to the beach. Good for you. This is what we're doing. We're packing boxes. And as a part of our packing, I found all of our old family photo albums. Maybe you guys know what I'm talking about. You hopefully have some of these. If you're older like, like I am, you actually have real pictures. This is Luke's photo album. It sort of documents every month of his life from zero to his first year. It's awesome. We went back through these. And family photo albums are a beautiful thing. It actually reminds me on vacation this year. We actually got a week away. And uh, we were watching a movie on our Apple TV. And what happened was we paused it mid-movie to go get snacks in the kitchen, all that kind of fun stuff. We came back, and our screensaver was family photos just scrolling on the screen. So we walked back to the couch, and, and we see all these old memories of our family. And what we did is we sort of took a detour from the movie and jumped into the rabbit trail. We went and looked in our photo album. And we went back and looked at all the old pictures from the past 15 years where we saw me holding Luke for the first time at the hospital. And then Luke meeting Lizzie for the first time. And then Luke and Lizzie meeting Lincoln. We watched videos of them playing together so nice. And Luke holding Lizzie as a baby. And videos of me sort of tickling and playing with the kids and throwing them around. It was awesome. But what happened in that moment was it sort of messed me up a little bit. Messed the kids up a little bit in a good way. Like for the next two or three hours, our kids gave us a reprieve from picking all on each other all over the place because they sort of remembered what they used to be like. Like they remembered how kind they were to each other as kids and they were like awesome for a good two hours. But it messed me up. Like it reminded me, man, I used to laugh a lot more with the kids. I used to enjoy my time with them as a family. And it just sort of made, I gotta, I gotta live different. I gotta get back to what I'm supposed to be as a dad in some ways. So here, here's what I discovered. Sometimes in order to move forward, you actually have to move backward. Like you have to look back to move forward. And that's sort of what we're doing. This is not a, a, a reason for nostalgia. This is a, a reason for clarity. We look back in order to move forward. And that in great part is what we're doing over the next five weeks. We're gonna take a look at what is our church's family photo album, the book of Acts. See, these, these stories recorded in the book of Acts are not just random people. This is our family from the early church. We have roots all the way back. And what I think God wants to do in this series is God wants to allow us to look at five family photos from our early church family, and we look back in order to move forward. And I wanted to take a second, and, and we're doing that on Sunday for, for 12 Stone, and I want to take a moment where we get to do that in C12. We get to go uh, over five different photos of, of capturing, hey, what has God done in over the last year and a half in C12? Look at, look at how God has been so faithful and so kind. And I want to take us a, a little bit down a trip down memory lane. And we're going to throw up some things up, up on the screen, but I just want to go over a little bit of, of how God has been so kind in our past. That even before COVID, back in uh, February, that we actually met at the central campus. And we were uh, a, a part of, of meeting there every single Thursday and I remember that came out of God doing a lot of amazing things from the fall and summer of 2019. And that led into the beginning of 2020. And we had our big, 
a big a Valentine's Day party type thing. We had a, a bunch of fun at, at Central, and God was doing amazing things. And then what happened in March? Everybody knows, right? COVID hit. <laughs> it put everything on pause. It put a damper. And when COVID hit, then we're all watching, uh, doing online small groups. We're watching the C12 shorts. The Instagram was the rally point of every single Thursday. And we did that for several months until we got to our first tailgate party that, back at the central campus where we did it out in the, back in the staff lot. And we had a big, uh, people were bringing all sorts of different food. People were pulling up their trucks. People were pulling up the cars. People had a bunch of games that they were bringing. I remember Tripp, if you don't know Tripp, he's one of the leaders at C12. He ended up having the whole hibachi grill set up. And that was on fire. And then someone brought a lizard. And I don't know where that came from. But then we, then we, all of a sudden, you know, people are just crying, seeing each other for the first time in like, uh, you know, several months. And it was just like, if this isn't a C12 thing, I don't know what is, you know. We got a lizard, we got a fire, we got some food, and we got good community. That is C12. Can I get an amen? Amen. <laughs> and then we went from that in June to then now, okay, keep moving forward. Okay, now, okay, what is God continuing to do with C12 story? That in the fall, then the, we had uh, met at the Hamilton Mill campus once a month where we had the, the big house party. And we had to socially distance and we had to move from place to place because we had to figure out. I know some of you guys look at this thing like, man, I don't know when the last time I wore a mask. <laughs> We're looking at some of these pictures and you're like, man, that just seems so far back. It seems so old school. That seems like forever ago. We met there uh, once a month and then that launched into house parties. We had the big house party at Hamilton Mill, and then we launched into doing a bunch of house parties all over Gwinnett, from Brazelton to the Snellville area to Lawrenceville. We met over uh, a different house party. Some started to blow up, and they were like almost like too many people in one house. And that God, nothing could stop in that season, not, not COVID, not social injustice. There was nothing that could stop God advancing his kingdom and us being a, together as the church, because we know that the church isn't a building. The church is a people that we get to be the church. And so people are getting baptized in the back of trucks <laughs> and house parties. I remember meeting, if you don't know him, his name is Brad. Brad's an awesome dude. I actually met him uh, last week and he, he talked about, he's like, bro, hey, I'm the guy that got baptized in Holly's truck. What up, dude? And he goes, man, I remember. I remember getting baptized in the back of her truck. I remember there was dirt in it. There was a flashlight in there. There was, <laughs> he goes, man, I don't know. He's like, it was the best experience of my life though. <laughs> That's something that we get to celebrate. We get to celebrate all that God's done, and that continues our story for C12. Every person's got a story. Every community's got a story. That leads into June of this, of, of, of this year, where we have had our summer kickoff. We had that here. We had a ton of fun. We were playing games in the room. We had Waffle House out, uh, outside. We had a bunch of like ice cream things that were going on. People were getting to know each other. Got, people were experiencing community. And one of the things that we've noticed over the last year is that God has been so kind. Can we just celebrate all that God has done in C12 and in this ministry? And I want to take a pause because I also want to celebrate you. I wanted to celebrate you as leaders, as volunteers, as people who are a part of C12. I want to take a moment to honor you and celebrate you. That there's nothing over the last year and a half that would have stopped you from being a part of the church. There's nothing that could have come in your way that would have prohibited you being here, you being together, you being a part of the church. So hats off to you guys. I want to take a second. You guys can applaud for yourself. I just want to thank you guys for all that you've done, for all the reasons that you have been able to engage in community and to be a part of the church. And so what is God continuing to do? We noticed over the last year uh, that there has been some inconsistencies, inconsistencies and instability. 
As you guys know, let me be transparent. There's been a, a change in locations over the last year and a half that you had to meet in house parties, then you had to go to different homes, and then you're at Hamilton Mill, and then you came over here to Sugarloaf, and then there was one night where we had to uh, then leave Sugarloaf and go to Hamilton Mill, and then we made an Instagram video, and we said, hey, come to Hamilton Mill. We pulled it off, and Lacey, who's a stud volunteer, got a bunch of barbecue. You guys remember that? Uh, having a bunch of barbecue that night. And God has been so good. He's been so kind, and we want to continue to uh, see what God has for the story of C12. That we get to be a part of something bigger than ourselves and we realize that there was an inconsistency and instability. And so in this season, as you know, that we had a leadership team. Had me, Paul, Yona, Cam, Justin, Emily. We had people that are part of this leadership team throughout this transition because we wanted to establish some consistency and some stability for you, for this ministry. And we also wanted to establish consistency in where we meet. And we took some time to look at the calendar. We look at, at some of the, the future months and future Thursdays and realize, oh, we'd have to move on this Thursday. We'd have to relocate on this Thursday. And we didn't want that to happen because when inconsistency, that can't be in the same culture of longevity and also produce fruit. And so we wanted to fight for you. We wanted to value you. And so we get to move back home to Central Campus. <laughs> Come on. We can celebrate that. We can celebrate what God is doing. But it was never about a location. As you've seen over the last year, God could use anywhere or anybody and he could continue to write the story for C12. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. Come on, we can celebrate that. We can celebrate what God is continuing to do in and through C12. That we get to move back home and we get to be a part of, hey, this, this Central Campus can be your home campus. And maybe you're not connected. Maybe Sugarloaf is your home campus. That's just one of the benefits. That you get to be a part of, of the Bigger C Church. But there's also a, lots of other things that when we get to be a part of Central Campus on a Thursday night for C12, for you guys, that there's all the ability of space. We have so much more environments to be able to, to dream of what it means to, if you're in college, you get to meet other college students. If you're a young professional or a young adult, you get to meet other young adults. That there's things that we can do, like the tailgate party out back. There's things that we can do with Phoenix Roasters that's launching uh, in August for, uh, at 12 Stone in the cafe. There's things that we can do out on the bridge. There's things that we can do out on the patio. There's all these avenues and spaces for community that we can uh, continue to create that allows people to come and experience the power and freedom of Jesus. And so we can celebrate that. We can, we, we can know that there are bigger and better days that lie ahead and we get to go back home. So starting July 15th, we get to go back to Central Campus. We get to go back to what has been a home for us. And I want to take a moment to pray over that. That just how everybody has a story. You got you to know your story to share your story. C12 has a story. God has been so kind every step of the way. I want to take a moment to pray over that and thank God for his goodness. Thank God for his kindness. So I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. And maybe there's things that people that you know, maybe people that don't know Jesus, maybe people uh, that you've been wanting to invite to see 12 people that you know that are far from God, but they're close to you. Maybe there's personal prayers, things you've been praying over this community, over in this ministry, and I want you to join in that. That there is power in prayer, there's power in the unison of that. That God is continuing 
to, to, his, to do his redeeming work in this ministry. And we get to be a part of that. And how honored are we that we get to be a part of the kingdom that's so much bigger than ourselves, that God would choose us. He would choose us right in the middle of our story, that there was a problem. I was without hope. I was with, I, I, I had anxiety. I had anger and God met me. Well, there's a problem in C12. We had inconsistencies and stabilities. Well, there's a problem. And now God is continuing to write the story. And I want you to join in prayer for that. That Jesus continues to transform souls. As we step back into being back home, and maybe right now, even as I'm, as I'm about to pray, that you would just lift your hands up in prayer. You begin in the attitude and the posture of prayer that you would maybe be in a receiving posture, that you would just so welcome and inhabit the presence of God to believe and expect for bigger and better days as they always lie ahead. So let's take a moment. Let's come before God in prayer. And we're going to end with some worship. And we're going to praise God for who he is and how he's been so kind to us. And so, God, we just thank you. We thank you, God, for what you're doing. We thank you, Father, for, Father, how you have had your hand on this ministry. God, how you have been so kind and so good. God, you've been so faithful. God, we see it. We see all that you've done. When we just take a look back at where we've been, God, we get a better picture of where we ought to go. And so, Father, we just so thank you for you, Father, being able to see people be transformed because of your power. That God, I pray that as we go back home, God, that we would continue to be a part of something that is much bigger than ourselves. We get to be a part of something that is about your kingdom, not ours. It's about your agenda, not ours. It's about something, God, that you want. And so, Father, we just so cling and, and God, pray to that. God, that we just so want your presence. God, that we continue to want lives to be transformed. God, we pray for people to be baptized, for people to come to know Jesus. God, we pray for people that are far from God, that as they come to be a part of, of that ministry at Central, God, that they would experience community for the first time in a long time, that they would have a sense of belonging and a sense of family. And so, God, we just so thank you. We thank you for what you're doing in this ministry. And God, we give it all to you. It's your church. It's your ministry. God, you're the head of it. So, Father, do in this ministry, God, do in this room, God, what you want. God, we pray these things. And everybody said, amen. Thank you for listening to the C12 podcast today. Take some time to reflect on your story and share it with those who need to hear it. If you were encouraged and guided by today's message, please share this with somebody who needs to hear this message and subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. If you would like to learn more about College of Twelve Sum, give us a follow on Instagram at C12Sum. Hope to have you join us next week.